Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, navigating you through this crazy world that we live in. It is the 25th day of February. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. As always, thank you to everybody that carves out that one hour every couple times a week to spend it with me, talking about the nature of reality, talking about all the different issues that plague our society, not leaving any stone unturned, and not leaving any conspiracy uh, uninvestigated, so to speak. So thank you for joining us once again. It um, was a great last couple days, a fantastic week for the show. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow me on Facebook or Twitter or what have you, but um, last week was a a very good week for the broadcast, so evidently good content is being put out by yours truly, and that's um, that is the goal here. And unfortunately, I'm having some technical issues with the video from the Tom Campbell interview. And you guys heard, if you've listened to the interview, the technical issues from the audio side. So I'm trying to work through that, and once again, using um, some new software and hopefully getting a new PC here pretty soon. So the content will be getting much better, so bear with me, everybody. We are working on a shoestring slash no-string budget here, and um, that's kind of what we got going on. So hopefully, um, within the next couple of weeks, I will have these issues resolved. I think I've got some of the recording stuff resolved, and moving forward, we should have some good video content to be put with all of these different audio podcasts that I do. And since it is a solo show tonight, I don't have anybody scheduled to be a guest. If you'd like to call in or if you'd like to post on the chat board, you can go to blogtalkradio.com, find my actual show. But if you're listening to it live and streaming it, you should be able to find the chat box down there. Join the chat room, shoot me any questions you have throughout the broadcast, and hopefully I can get to them. Or if you feel like calling in the show, you can call in one of two ways. You can call in via Skype through the actual link, or... You can call in via the call-in number, which is 602-753-1916. So, today's episode for the We Are Not Cattle radio show is going to be about food safety. And the title for, I guess, the entire show was just a bunch of questions. Is America the dumping ground for the chemical companies? These are not rhetorical, by the way, but depending on your level of knowledge, they might become rhetorical. How safe is our food? What are the ingredients to stay away from and why? And how do we protect our bodies from the pollution and other harmful toxins? So these are all the questions that we should be asking our society as a whole. One of the things that we run into on a day-to-day basis are people that will go off through life never asking these questions, never wondering if the ingredients slash products that they're putting into their body if they're even good for them. Most of the time, people get addicted to things, and that's the one thing that is very, not the one thing, but one of the many things that is precarious about the human body is the ability to adapt. Now, the ability to adapt is both utilized and exploited in a couple of different areas. One of the things that I can think of off the top of my head is drug addiction. So... Just like any other drug on the planet, sugar should be considered a drug, and it is probably the most dangerous drug on the planet, and one of also the most highly addictive drugs, and I am thoroughly addicted to that, and caffeine. So, that being said, understand and acknowledging the situation that I have, trying to lessen my sugar intake, and trying to lessen my caffeine intake, and by supplementing things like uh, DMAE, and iodine, and other things to help 
boost my mental clarity and boost my energy without having to stimulate it for short bursts and then have myself crash. So your body gets conditioned to certain circumstances, whether those circumstances be physical or emotional. So your body will adapt. That is one of the, once again, one of the fascinating things about human beings and the species as a whole is our ability to adapt. So I am conditioned now to take in X amount of sugar. The only challenge with that is that we can also develop areas where we can take on other drugs, cocaine, um, marijuana, whatever other state-sponsored drug you want to put out there, or non-state-sponsored drug. Um, it doesn't really matter. Alcohol, for example, you are if, if you're listening to this broadcast and you're over the age of 21, I would say there's a probably a 70% chance that you've tried alcohol in your life. Alcohol is another one of those substances that um, your body will compensate for. The more you use it, the more it will compensate and digest it and actually build what's called a tolerance in the industry. So we do have this great in, encapsulated body that we all live in, our spirits, our consciousness, whatever you want to call it, that we all kind of dwell in, and we have to take care of them. So what's the best way to take care of them is to avoid things that can, can do our bodies harm and irrevocable harm, for that matter. Um, things that you can't reverse, like certain types of cancer and certain types of brain disorders. So we're going to get into a couple of the foods that cause these things, or quote-unquote, so to speak, have possible links to. And then we will also talk about the FDA's response to a lot of these drugs and additives and talk about how interesting and how little we should pay attention to the FDA. It is a governing body, everybody, so take that for what it's worth. Understanding where the FDA came from, understanding what their job is, and understanding that they are a government agency and they will probably, by some little stretch, fall to the corporatocracy or some large entity that is willing to buy them off to look the other way, a.k.a. Searle slash, um, what was the name of the company that bought it out? What was the name of the company that bought Searle? Anyway, I'll get to that in a minute when I start talking about aspartame. But that's what happened with NutraSweet, a.k.a. aspartame, and how it became legal. There was a big game of patty cake played. There was documented cases where this was going to knowingly cause harm, and it passed anyway, and then the FDA says it's quite fine. And the FDA also says that fluoride in your water is quite fine for you as well. Even though Harvard studies, um, other studies from China, Canada, you name it, have all come out and said that this, at certain levels, has the ability to lower uh, your IQ and to create a docile population. So... Interesting to see how all of these little agencies that are there to quote-unquote protect you can be manipulated and may not be in it for your best interest. So let's get started, shall we? I actually want to go over this one article that I found that was very encapsulating for the topic that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to read bits and pieces of the article, and I'm going to leave out a couple of things because as, your, as my audience should know, I know that you guys are fully capable of reading, so I'm not going to go through everything. Just hit the highlights and actually go through about the first half of this article. But it is an ABC News article entitled, 11 Food Ingredients That Are Banned Outside the U.S. That We Eat. Doesn't that sound fun? I guess the question that we should all be asking is, why are these things banned in other countries but are completely safe here in the United States? So we're going to start with the fun ones, and those are the artificial colorings. So artificial colorings would include things like blue number one, blue number two, and my um, red number 40, I believe, and then my ever-present favorite, yellow number five. And by the way, if after listening to this podcast and researching this information on your own, and you still go and drink a thing of Mountain Dew... God bless you. But uh, anyway, 
And that's a side issue. So let's talk about what these food colorings are and what they have the potential of doing because we can't prove these things, but once again, they are banned in other countries for these specific reasons. So number one, let's start with blue number one, which is called aluminum lake, which is currently banned in Norway, Finland, and France, and is found in, in candy, cereal, drinks, pet food, most importantly, um, Kellogg's Nutrigrain bars. So here's what the article says about this specific additive itself. The FDA performs a regulatory review of color additives in foods, drugs, cosmetics, and medical devices. FDNC Blue Number 1 Aluminum Lake is FDA-approved color commonly used to dye dosage forms such as tablets or capsules. But it, once again, is actually in the nutrient bars to create that green, that nice little blue um, texture that you would associate with a blueberry so that makes it more aesthetically pleasing uh, to your palate. Now, FDNC colors are, are the colors certified by the FDA. Once again, this is all just lawyer speak talking about what this is. I'll get into um, what are some of the claims of this here in a second. The FDNC notation specifies that the colors are approved in the use for food, drugs, and cosmetics. FDNC notation specifies that the color can be used in, in drugs and cosmetics, but not food. According to the FDA, the FDNC Blue Number One Lake may be used safely as a color additive. So here is the fun stuff about Blue Number One. Now, as a color additive, this, um, once again, this thing is, is actually, um, oops, I the wrong button here, closed out my window. It is in Kellogg's Nutrigrain bars, and one of the things it is banned for several European countries is certified to us that it's safe. And since Norway has banned almost all the food dyes, they have virtually um, some of the same regulations that the F or the uh, the EU has. But they have found that um, this, I guess, like every other compound. Um, are effective in small amounts, but you know when you get into large amounts that are excessive, they can become a little bit harmful. And people see these bright colors in cakes, ice cream, sugary cereals, and figure this stuff must be glop-like paint, but the paint doesn't have much for the dye and the pigment either. And that's what um, this gentleman by the name of Lil writes on his website. So. It is the perception, once again, that we can just put anything into our bodies and that our bodies will adapt. And you have lobbyists from Kellogg's and Kraft and all of these other large conglomerates pushing these additives in order to make their products more aesthetically pleasing. And then, once again, never thinking about the ramifications of the public, but always re you know, reduced to putting out a PR statement as far as, well, we hold our nutrition and our client's health in the highest standards, and we don't do anything that isn't sanctioned by the FDA. So they can utilize lawyer speak in order to circumvent some of the things that are actually getting pushback, like yellow number five from a large community, um, most notably the Food Babe and the Food Babe Army. If you haven't looked at her website, I would highly recommend it. She does a lot of great work, and she's get, she gets a lot of traction, and I am definitely backing her on getting the, um, the uh, I think it was, what are they putting in the, the Chick-fil-A sandwiches are actually having MSG is the first main ingredient. So monosodium glutamate is another bad one. We will talk about that here in a minute. So let's move on to blue number two, number two food coloring. So... This is a listed ingredient in M&M's, and a statement by the Mars and M&M's company said, Around the globe, there can be slightly different formulations of products based on the availability of both locational requirements and customer preferences. All of the colors that we use in our products, no matter where they are sold, comply with our own strict internal quality and safety requirements, as well as the all-applicable laws, regulations, and safety assessments related to color, and added food colorings. All colors are declared on the label in accordance with the applicable law, nation laws and regulations and always meet the highest safety standards. 
Okay. So here is what Mr. Lowe says about the blue number two. And it says it's a it says it's a cancer brain cancer agent, but unproven referring to the studies from the nineteen eighties with blue number two. Lowe said that rats who were fed the dye over long periods and larger concentrations, up to two percent of their total food intake that had even more dedicated junk food eaters would incur. So basically this is a whitewash explaining away there should be no risk involved with ingesting blue number two because you would have to ingest such a large quantity for it to even make a difference. But I would pose the question to you of the cumulative effect of all of these different dyes and additives and what have you. I mean, are we really at a point where we can just go ahead and blatantly say that this is completely completely fine and we don't have any long-term we don't have any long-term studies and we've never done studies on humans and the studies on rats were too large of a concentration to even worry about it never mind the cumulative effect of all of these different issues and all of these different toxins that we are putting into our body so moving on once again I'm not going to go into great detail about these things so just understand that these are things when you're reading labels, which you should always read the label, and if you cannot pronounce some of the ingredients, I would highly recommend putting it back on the shelf. And if you see monosodium glutamate, run like your hair is on fire. So, anyway, blue, or excuse me, yellow number five. Awesome stuff. Yellow number five is one of my favorites. Not... And that was completely facetious, everyone. So yellow number five can be found in Kraft macaroni and cheese. It is banned in Australia and Norway due to the compounds benzene and 4-MO-biphenyl. And here is what the compounds say. Excuse me. Here's what it says about the compounds. I'm just trying to go through my notes here, everybody. Stay with me. It says the compound is any other food dye, but certainly not yellow number five, and has the same chemical structure as a very potent toxin. Safety and, and once again, you have the whitewash of the safety and quality of our products are the highest priority by Kraft Foods, and this is one that the food babe was trying to get out of um, of the Kraft uh, macaroni and cheese because they say it's kid friendly, but we put yellow number five in it, and yellow number five once again is a very it's a very dangerous compound. We'll just put it that way. Are there any studies showing that it's a that it's a adjuvant that causes these things? No. But it says six of the eleven studies of yellow number five showed that it caused genotoxy, a deterioration of the shell's genetic material with potential to immu- to mutate the health of the DNA. Once again, I will read that again. So. What are the risks, you ask? Six of the 11 studies on yellow number five showed that it caused genotoxy, a deterioration of the cell's genetic material with the potential to mutate healthy DNA. So I would just err on the side of caution and say that you might not want to put this in your body. Now, moving on. Man, we're kind of rolling through this stuff. Moving on to red number 40. Red number 40 is actually one of the concern items, I guess. Uh, Red number 40 is found in stuff like um, uh, salad dressings. Um, So just take a peek for that. And it um, and it says here it may contain a carcinogen, um, constamate P crestocyne that can cause tumors and of the immune system. So, once again, it is one of those things that is a very minuscule amount, is not going to be horrible for you, but the cumulative effect, I would wonder about that. It can also be found in fruit cocktail, um, marcaccio cherries, um, grenadine, cherry pie mix, ice cream, candy, and other products. So, be on the lookout for that. And now we're going to move into the fun stuff, and then I'll get into aspartame. So this is the one that the food babe actually did um, get removed from Subway, and that is 
Hazando Carbonate. Once again, if you can't pronounce it, which obviously I struggle with pronouncing stuff like this, but if you read this and you can't pronounce it, highly recommend that you don't put it in your body. So this is a it's a bleach flower. Um, it's a excuse me. This ingredient, which can bleach flour, is banned in the Australia, the UK, and other European countries, and it's a asthma causing allergen. Once again, it is used in foam plastics, and the conditions inside a foam plastic you adhere to are quite different than those through the inside of warming bread dough. Now, what happens with these things, it's also used in yoga mats, by the way. It is a, once again, it uh, has asthma, allergy, asthma causing allergens, as well as negative effects on your gastrointestinal tract. So Subway is in the process of removing it from their breads currently, and I will not go back there until they have made the public statement that they will not be offering it anywhere. Now, here's the fun little catch to the Subway um, enzodicarbonate. Sorry. Once again, tough word to pronounce. The enzodicarbonate. The one thing that I would mention is that it is not put in the Subway bread anywhere but the United States. So once again, are we the dumping ground for these chemical companies? I would say that the deregulation process here in the United States has played a major role in that. I would also say that the that the um, corruption of the federal government in cahoots with the FDA and other governmental agencies sanctioned to protect your health have definitely moved the ball into an area where we're going to have to start dialing all of this stuff back because it is getting absolutely insane, some of the stuff. I mean, really, you're going to put a yoga mat inside of your mouth. Unbelievable. So now moving away from – and once again, I'll put this article up so you guys can read it. But keep in mind that um, when you see anything from the FDA or you see any of these statements from these corporations – it's it's all lawyer speak. It's all lawyer speak. So anyway, we can go ahead and close that window out. Sorry for the rambling and bambling here, everybody, but there's a lot of info to get to. And um, we're running slowly out of time. So anyway, now moving on to a much nearer and dearer topic to my heart. I do dabble in, uh, I guess, conspiratology would be a a good way to put it. But let's talk about aspartame, one of my drugs of choice that I will never purchase a product that has it in it, and rarely will you ever see me take a stick of gum for somebody because 99.9% of gum has aspartame in it. And also almost every mint on the planet does as well. Now what is the challenge with aspartame, you ask? Well, Interesting story, Mr. Aspartame, how you became legal. We'll get into that here in a second. And let's talk about what this product has done and what potentially can do to your mental clarity as well as your long-term physical health. Let's run through the entire bio briefly of, of Aspartame. Now, this is going to be a lot of dates and a lot of jargon for everybody. So bear with me. I'm going to put the link up to this. And the only reason that I'm going through this timeline is so everybody can understand the clip that I'm about to set up. So in 1965, while working on a drug, James Shatler, a chemist at G.D. Searle, um, accidentally developed aspartame, which is 180 times sweeter than any sugar and has no calories. Searle in the 67 began safely testing aspartame in order to apply for FDA approval. Um, still in 1967, Weissman, a biochemist from the University of Wisconsin, conducts aspartame safety tests on infant monkeys on behalf of the Searle company. Of the seven monkeys that were fed aspartame mixed with milk, one dies and five others have grand mal seizures. Okay, so... Moving right along, sounds perfectly safe to me already. November 1970, Climax, a resigning, a 
excuse me, the reigning low-calorie artificial sweetener is pulled from the market by scientists associating it with cancer. Questions are now raised about the safety of saccharin and the other official, the other artificial sweetener on the market, leaving it wide open for aspartame. And saccharin got taken off the market as well because it was a cancer agent. So there you go. 1970s several company executives lay out the food and drug sweetener strategy, which they feel will put the FDA into a positive frame of mind when they think of aspartame. Getting, and I'm just skipping some of this because it's just jargon, uh, getting the FDA regular, regulators into the habit of saying yes, which is a sales strategy, and anybody that's taken sales or has done sales before understands that you ask very simple yes questions in order to get the client to perpetuate a yes answer so that their final answer will be yes. Okay, moving on. Spring of 1971, neuroscientist John Only, whose pioneering work with monosodium glutamate was responsible for having it removed from baby food, once again, MSG, and that was back in 71 that they actually knew it was bad, but that's okay. Still put it in some of the foods here. Completely fine. Don't worry about it. Chick-fil-A loves you. Informed Searle that the studies uh, that... Aspartic acid, one of the ingredients in aspartame, causes holes in the brain of infant mice, and one of Searle's own researchers confirmed his findings that in a similar study. Hmm. 1973, after spending tens of millions of dollars of safety testing, G.D. Searle applies for the FDA food and submits over 100 studies they claim would support aspartame safely. Probably studies that they funded. This is how this stuff works, but, you know, who's asking the questions? In uh, 1973, the first FDA scientists review aspartame safety, and in the information provided, quote, by Searle, is, ina is inadequate to permit the evaluation of the potential toxicity of aspartame. So in 1974, James Turner, a consumer advocate, when instructional, um, excuse me, was instrumental in getting the calcinate taken off the market, meets with Searle representatives to discuss the study in 1971 and showed how a Burdick acid causes holes in the brains of infant mice. 1974, FDA grants aspartame the first approval for restricted use in dry foods. So, it causes holes in the brain, but that's ah, fine. We'll just go ahead and put it in dried foods. Everything's good. 1974, Jim Turner and John Oley file the first objections against aspartame's approval. 1976, Turner and O'Neilly petition triggers an FDA investigation of the laboratory practices of aspartame manufacturer G.D. Searle, and the investigation finds that Searle's testing procedures shoddy and full of inaccuracies and manipulated test data. You don't say. Gee, I wonder what's going on with GMOs at this time. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, but stuff like this never happens, Jake. That's a conspiracy theory. Um, moving on, in 1977, the FDA formally requests the U.S. Attorney Office a grand jury proceedings to investigate whether indictments should be filed against Searle for knowingly misrepresenting the findings, concealed material facts, and making false statements that aspartame tests, safety tests. The first of its time in the FDA history, and that could be they could request a criminal investigation of the manufacturer. 1977. Don't worry, everybody. We're almost to the present. We're getting there. While the grand jury probes are underway, Sydney and Austin, a law firm representing Searle, begins job negotiations with the attorney general in charge of the investigation, Samuel Skinner. And you will hear his name pop up again. Such a good guy. G.D. Searle hires a predominant Washington insider, Donald Rumsfeld. Do you wonder where we've heard his name before? As the new CEO to try to... Turn the beleaguered company around. The former member of Congress and the Secretary of Defense in the DeFord administration, Rumsfeld begins in several of his Washington cronies to the top management. So, gee, I wonder where this is going. So, Rumsfeld comes over, um, brings over a couple of his buddies, and, gee, I wonder where we're headed with this. Should be fascinating stuff. Samuel, in 1977 of July... Samuel Skinner leaves the U.S. Attorney General office and takes a job with the Searles Law Firm. And August 1st, which is a month later, the Bresner Report, compiled by the FDA investigators and headed by Jerome Besser, is released. The report finds that 98 of the 196 animals died during one of the Searles test studies and were 
excuse me, autopsy later in the dates. In some of the cases, over a year after death. Many other errors and inconsistencies were noted. For example, a rat was reported alive, then died, then alive, then dead again. A mass um, urethane plump, excuse me, poly- urethane polyp and ovarian neoplasties were found in animals, but not reported or diagnosed in Searle's reports. Makes you want to just go out and get some aspartame, doesn't it? It's all good for you. FDA says it's fine. Oh, in 1977, the U.S. Attorney General Skinner withdrew in resignation, stole the Searle Grand Jury investigation for long that the statute of limitations on aspartame charges runs out. The Grand Jury investigation was dropped. In 1979, the FDA established the Public Board of Inquiry to rule on the safety of the surrounding NutraSuite. 1980, the Public Board of Inquiry concludes that NutraSuite should not be approved pending further investigations of brain tumors in animals. The board states that has not been approved or has not presented a proof of reasonable certainty that aspartame is safe as a food additive. Oh, and here comes the fun. Told you guys we would get there. Deep breath, everybody. This is going to be fun. In 1981... Donald Rumsfeld, CEO of Searle, states in a sales meeting that he's going to make a big push to get aspartame approved within the year. Rumsfeld says he will use his political pull in Washington rather than scientific means to get this done. 1981, Ronald Reagan is sworn in as president of the United States. Reagan's transition team, which includes Donald Rumsfeld, CEO of G.D. Searle, handpicks Arthur Hall Hayes Jr. to be the new FDA commissioner. Yeah, I wonder where this is going. <clears throat> An FDA commissioner's panel is established to review the issues raised in the Public Board of Inquiry of March of 1981. May of that same year, three of the six in-house FDA scientists were responsible for reviewing the brain tumor issues. Robert Condon, Stanley Doobie, and Douglas Park, all of which are in this documentary that I'm going to link to in the show notes so you guys can watch it on the effects of aspartame. And also all of this stuff. But once again, it's very interesting to go over this and set the table for what we're facing here. So in July 15th of 1981, one of his first first acts, Arthur Hayes Jr., the new FDA commissioner, overrules the Public Board of Inquiry and ignores the recommendations of its own internal FDA team and approves NutraSweet for dried products. Good for you, buddy. Hayes says that aspartame has been shown to be safe in its own purposes use and has few compounds that have withstood such detailed testing and repeated scrutiny. So then he uses the, that's a logical fallacy, but I can't pull the one out of my head right at this moment, so we'll come back to that. Oh, in October of 1982, the FDA announces that Searle has filed a petition for aspartame to be approved as a sweetener and carbonated beverages and liquids. Here's where the fun begins. In 1983, the National Soft Drink Association urges the FDA to delay the approval of aspartame and the carbonated beverages pending further testing because aspartame is a very is very unsustainable in liquid form. When liquid aspartame is stored at temperatures above 85 degrees, it breaks down into KPD and formaldehyde, which both are known to be neurotoxins. Doesn't that sound like fun? Hey, is your body's temperature over 85 degrees? Just asking. Um, July of 1983, the National Soft Drink Association drafts an objection to a ruling which permits the use of aspartame and carbonated beverages and syrup-based and requests a hearing on the objection. The association says that Searle has not provided responsible, responsible certainty that aspartame and its Degradation products are safe to use in soft drinks. 1983, Consumer Attorney General, or excuse me, Consumer Attorney Jim Turner and the Community of Nutrition Institute, Wood, uh, Woodrow Monty, Arizona State Director of Food and Natural Science, filed a lawsuit with the FDA objecting to the aspartame approval on unresolved safety issues. 1983, the conditioner Hayes. Resigns a cloud of controversial. Well, excuse me. Resigns under a cloud of controversy about talking 
taking unauthorized rides for uh, abroad on Ford General Foods jets. General Foods is the main consumer of NutraSuite and Searles Public Relations firm. And then NutraSuite immediately hires Hayes as a senior scientific consultant. In the fall, of, we're almost done, everybody. Hopefully, everybody is still awake and somewhat cogent, so we're almost done. 1983, the first carbonated beverages containing aspartame are sold for public consumption. Tab, yay, gotta love it. 1984, the Center for Disease Control, evaluation of consumer complaints related to aspartame use. And in 1987, U.S. Hearing NutraSuite and Health Concerns Committee on the labor and since Howard Mendez was the chairman. So anyway, that's the history of how this stuff got approved. Now, where are we at now? It's in freaking everything. Remember what I read, and I know that was a ton to take in. Aspartame ate holes in the brains of mice in the studies. Caused cancer. And so now, it's perfectly fine. We wave a magic wand. It's a magic make-believe wand. We're going to make-believe this stuff doesn't happen. And we're going to make-believe that all of this fake money that we're earning is going to really amount to something. You're destroying society by putting monetary gain in front of the health and mental acumen of the populace. Those should be crimes against humanity. As soon as you start taking money over whether it's war, whether it's food, anytime that you would rather look at your bottom line, and believe me, I've been in enough corporations to understand how this 30,000-foot top-down structure works. You have somebody that sits in a very big office that is very full of themselves and is making what they say are, quote, they're tough decisions. They're not tough decisions. You're never going to have to see those people that you say that you're going to have to fire 300 employees out of your 30,000. You're never going to have to see them. All you see is your bottom line, and that's what's so frustrating about this whole thing. Whether it's aspartame, whether it's all of these other chemicals that I talked about earlier, whether it's these neurotoxins, whatever it is, GMO, that's the next topic here, and we got about 20 minutes to cover it. That should be enough time. The people making these decisions are taking very small pieces of information and making large decisions that affect well, that's actually kind of a Freudian slip, that that affect an entire populace. And the reason that we're not upset about this is because we don't really know. And I'm not saying the people that listen to this broadcast don't really know, because most of you guys are, are pretty well aware. I get a lot of comments from the listeners, get a lot of emails. I've actually had two more people. Uh, one of them I actually met at a, um, at a, in the Fed rally. I've had two more people uh, write me about the DMAE and about what it's done for their cognitive ability. So once again, talk to your physician. But, I mean, it's 10 bucks for a bottle of 100, people, and it works wonders. It is a fantastic um, supplement. So you've heard Josh Wiley rant and rave about it. You've heard me talk about it, and um, I, I can't recommend it enough. It has done wonders for my life and my mental clarity and my focus. So anyway, all that aside, um, this is what we're faced with. We're faced with a society that is ill-informed. We're faced with a society that will not listen to you when you try to tell them how bad aspartame is because they're still in that fragmented world that predisposed world that they grew up in. Their belief system is what most people call it. So how do we change the belief system of the public? Well, we have to get them to start asking questions. And you have to get them to ask the questions, not to you, to themselves. Because if you remember any time that you listen to a lecturer or any time that you watch all of these, um, these very prominent um, intellectuals 
very prominent people that spread truth and the message of and the message of individualism and self ownership. If you're out if you're out, you know, waving the banner of self ownership or volunteerism and you don't have any idea about food safety or if you don't have any idea what we're talking about here, once again, you have to look at yourself. Better yourself first and then point people in the right direction. That's all that we can ever do. So here is my little synopsis of aspartame, and then I'm going to play the clip. Aspartame at over 85 degrees breaks into formaldehyde, which is a neurotoxin. So what do we understand about aspartame? Well, it took a long time for that thing to get passed. And who passes it but Donald Rumsfeld? And how does he pass it? Not by using science, by utilizing political pull. So what other things have been done through quote-unquote political pull that are against the will of the people, that are against, once again, against the rights of the people? And remember... Um, if you've watched Mark Passio's lecture, a, a right is the antithesis of a wrong, and a wrong is anything that causes harm to another individual, and it's always based on theft. So whether it's theft of property, whether it's theft of their ability to make rational decisions, that is theft, and that is a wrong. So on aspartame… Please, 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 please do your own research. Once again, don't take my word for it. But the more research that you do, the less and less you will want to consume this product. And hopefully the more you can get other people that consume it on a day-to-day -day basis to pay attention to what they're doing to themselves. And they might justify it with some really sweetsy cake reason like, well, if I just take a little bit of it, it's not going to really hurt me. And I guess that's a a viable defense, but um, I would say that would you rather shoot yourself in the hand or not shoot yourself at all? That's the way I kind of look at it. So here, let's talk about the health implications and the negative health impacts of aspartame, and this is by Jim Turner, who was one of the guys that filed the lawsuit and was pushing for this to remain banned. So here's the clip. Enjoy, everybody. My name is Jim Turner. I'm an attorney in Washington, D.C., and I've been working on stopping aspartame NutraSweet since 1970. This product is a dangerous product made up of three neurotoxins, any one of which could cause you health problems. Combined, it's really dangerous. The most interesting thing, however, is it's on the market because of politics. When we started attacking NutraSweet back in 1970, we were able to actually keep it off the market for 11 years until 1981. And we had a public board of inquiry convened by the FDA which ruled that it should not be marketed. The data showed it was likely to be a cancer-causing chemical. This was in 1980. One month after that board ruled, Ronald Reagan was elected president, and Donald Rumsfeld, the president of the company that made NutraSweet, that made aspartame, was on the transition team and arranged for a particular person to be made commissioner of the FDA who overruled the public board of inquiry, overruled all scientists at the FDA who had looked at it, and overruled the public board of inquiry who were outer, outside scientists. So we have here the combination of political toxicity and biological toxicity working together and creating serious problems. After that product went on the market, the number of glioblastomas the cancerous tumor that showed up in the brains of mice in the studies we were relying on increased by 10% in the United States in the human population. All in all, it's a horrendous story. Be sure to check everything out about it. And if you feel that you're having any kind of symptoms, get off it for a month and see if they go away. So there you go. Um, once again, basically encapsulating everything that I babbled at you for the past 10 minutes into a minute and 30 seconds. And once again, I will put that clip up there as well so you can share the message about this stuff because this is, or these are the conversations that we need to have in this population. Why is this stuff in our food? What the hell is going on? Why are we allowing companies to 
basically dictate to the government. Not that I'm a huge fan of government, as we can see. Government's not going to protect you, everybody. And I know that I say that a lot. You know, whether you're talking about the policeman down the street who, once again, there's nothing, not a knock on him, but if it takes seven minutes to get into a house that you have an armed robber in, you're probably going to lose that battle. So it's not up to the to the government at that point. It's up to you, the individual, to take responsibility for yourself. Once again, self ownership, uh, being a sovereign individual, you know, being as Mark Passio calls it, the uh, the sovereign monarch. So you own yourself. Nobody has any rule over you. And take it on yourself to inform yourself about food. Inform yourself about what you're putting into your body. Because here's the thing, with all of these different supplements and, and, and um, these food additives, excuse me, supplements was a bad word, these food additives, these uh, artificial sweeteners, um, the baby stem cells in the Pepsi, and that's actually uh, been confirmed also, but with all these things to take in, you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. And what I mean by that is... You can either spend the extra 15 or 20% to buy an organic, non-pesticide-laden, non-GMO product that you know is going to be one of the better choices for you. Once again, as we were talking to Tom Campbell, and he talked about your sphere of um, – I guess not your sphere of influence, but your decision space. As your intellectual acumen goes up and as your knowledge base goes up about food health, about all of these different things – your selection process is going to be much wider, but then again, it's going to be much more in the value of truth or much more in the value of being right or correct in the fact that you will make the correct choices for your body, for your mental health, and for your life in general because the more info we have, the better decisions we can make. And if, um, if you want to take his analogy and run with it, the better decision space that we can create, so the the better the probability that we're going to pull that desired outcome from the probability space of the future. So now let's get into, with the last 12 minutes, let's talk about GMOs. GMOs are a tricky subject for me because I understand the science behind it, not the ones where they're growing BT corn and stuff. I don't understand that. But I do understand the idea to genetically modify products in order to get them to grow faster, to get them to grow bigger, and in order to feed a population. Because that's going to be one of the things that we do face in the future. If we do have this, if we have all these climate catastrophes like we're having, not to say that climate catastrophes have never happened before. They've always happened throughout history. We live in a... I mean, come on, we live in a, in a, in a, in a biosphere. This, it's going to be hectic every once in a while. Whether you want to call it climate change, whether you want to call it man-made, you know, man-made toxicity, whatever you want to call it, we're going to run into some challenges to create food and to nourish the population of this planet, whether it's on your local level or it's on the, the grand scheme of things. If you want to go back to my number of over 20,000 people die a day um, – around the world due to lack of, you know, due to starvation, which is, to me, is, is absolutely insane. It's horrible. But that's neither here nor there. So for me, GMOs are, are kind of a catch-22. I would like to believe that we could create some sort of um, agrarian model where we could add and splice different things in order to create um, better, more nutritious foods but not have the negative side effects. But what's happened is you have corporations that have gotten involved and put their hands on this technology, Monsanto being one of the, the main drivers of it, and they've turned it into a cash cow. Once again, taking something that should be genuinely innate human nature and turning it into a profit center. Because just like uh, T. Boone Pickens says, you know about him buying that um, water reserve. If you guys want to watch that, I'll put the documentary up as well uh, under Jesse Ventura, talking about the war over water that will happen in the future. T. Boone Pickens is a billionaire oil tycoon out of Texas, and bought this piece of land that he can drill drill to one of the world's largest underwater. Um, 
I, can't, I don't know if it's called an aqueduct or whatever it's called, but it's basically an underwater holding pond of fresh water, and he can drill to it. And in Texas, if you can drill to it, then you get to keep it. So his idea is he's going to collect this water and then sell it to the public. And he says that if you believe that you know having clean water is a right, then just you wait. You'll be paying me for your clean water. You know, and that's the extreme. Um, I guess that's the extreme capitalistic point of view. But I don't subscribe to that model um, at all. Once again, you're harming individuals, so that throws a non-aggression principle, and that throws the humanitarian aspect of capitalism out the window. And I know for some uh, neoliberals or whatever you want to call yourself, that I probably just made a what you think is a um, fallacious argument right there that uh, all capitalistic is predatory, but you know, there is no humanitarian capitalism, but whatever, not split hairs. So back to the GMO thing. In order to make this a point, we have to go to the source of these challenges, and the source are these corporations. Monsanto created a product, and I'll link to the articles here, that were called suicide seeds. So once again, driven by profit, in order to make a greater profit, instead of selling somebody a seed that regenerates or regerminates every year and comes back and grows more crops, they decided they were going to genetically engineer these seeds to be quote-unquote suicide seeds. So what they would do is these seeds would last one year, one harvest season, and then after the harvest season, they'll just die off, and then you got to order you some more seeds. Well, unfortunately, over in India, they ran into a little cash flow problem, and farmers were committing suicide at a rapid rate, and I cannot remember what the numbers were, so don't hold me to it, but I think it was upwards of a 1,000 farmers a day were committing suicide because they could not afford the Monsanto, Monsanto re, non-regerminating uh, suicide seeds in order to grow their crops. So they weren't making the big enough profit margin to go ahead and order next year's seeds, so they were already in debt, so their only solution was to off themselves. Once again, the majority of people at Monsanto should all be arrested. Now, the scientists, should they be arrested? Probably not, but the people that are marketing this stuff and going and propagating this and, and destroying human lives for the chasing of the almighty dollar to go get you a, another beach house or something, you all should be put in cages. Once again, I'm not one for government, but you should be put in a cage because you are a detriment to society. You are, you're the crazy people, not the people that actually study this stuff and want to try to help humanity. So... What are the risk factors with genetically modified organisms or GMOs? Well, that's the catch. We don't have any long-term human testing because it's not allowed. Now, why is it not allowed? You can probably piece that together after what we just discussed with aspartame. Piece that together with big corporations, sprinkle in a little bit of government regulation, and you have your answer. So there's a battle going on for people like myself, that really do want the best for humanity. We want to be able to excel. We want to be able to use technology and not be spied upon. We want to be able to eat food that we know is going to be safe for us, and not just because it has some USDA label on it or some FDA label on it that says that it's safe. We want to know inherently that that food is safe, not that some lobbyist came in and bought off somebody or had some pictures of somebody with a naked girl and got a yes vote, so now we can go sell aspartame to the entire masses and put it in everything and just whatever. So those are the things that I think would be important in society. So the long-term study of GMOs should be a very, very hot-button issue for everyone. GMO labeling should also be a very hot-button issue for almost everyone on the planet as well. And the reason I say that is because anybody that looks into GMOs and don't look into what the FDA says about it and don't look into what the EU says about it because they're all going to use the same lawyer speak. Given the information that we have, we have found that in blah, 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 you know, whatever. They're going to do some kind of shenanigans in order to cover it. But what I would say is that in the 
studies to deal with rats that they've developed tumors over a long period of time. And in three generations, these rats have become sterile. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to put this stuff together. What do you see going on in the population now? Well, you have fertility problems in men, especially here in America. You have couples that are having a difficult time getting pregnant. And people say, well, no, they've always had a difficult time getting pregnant. It's just a sign of the times knowing that we have all this new technology and better ways to track it. I say hogwash. There's something going on there. Whether it's all these additives coming into our body, whether it's the GMOs that we're eating, whether it's aspartame, you name it. It's these toxins that we're putting into our body making a whole different cocktail that our body is not, and I repeat, we are not conditioned to put up with. We will adapt and survive because that's what human beings do, as I said at the very beginning of the show. But is this really what we want to be putting in our body? Now, I will take the last three minutes here to go ahead and promote a couple of things. Uh, Josh Wiley, as you guys know from the Journalistic Revolution, and I are going to be working on some special products, uh, excuse me, special projects moving forward. And it's just really fun stuff, so you guys pay attention and wait for that. And um, on the GMOs, I'm going to put a laundry list of um, material because I cannot cover that in five minutes. It's just not even – I'm going to have to do an entire show on GMOs. And um, that's just – sorry, that's the way the cookie crumbles, everybody. We're running out of time here. But Josh Wiley and I are going to do a biweekly video podcast that I think will be highly informative. And um, we will be taking suggestions on topics. So if you have any suggestions on topics for myself and Josh Wiley – be sure to tweet me at WeAreNotCattle1, or you can go to WeAreNotCattleNet.net and find all of my contact info there. Um, shoot me ideas that you guys might have, interesting topics you think we might should cover, or if you're one of the conspiratologists like ourselves and you like to do research and find the bottom of the rabbit hole, throw us a conspiracy. We might check it out and dive into it a little deeper. So that being said, um, I would also like to plug um, my funding button. I've never actually plugged this, but for those of you that don't know or don't go to the website, I do have a donate button there. You can donate to my cause, and the only reason I would ever ask you to donate, and I will be completely transparent with a ledger that I will put on my website. If I receive any donations, I will put it all towards funding for the show in order to produce better, 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 better content because I would like to start doing video podcasts all the time, but I'm going to have to have some better recording equipment and unfortunately, that stuff costs fiat dollars. So that's where we're at with that. But if you can't afford it, please do not donate. And if you can't afford it, throw me a dollar or two, and I will make it worth your while and hopefully produce some content that you can share with others and enlighten them and have them gain some more knowledge on this human experience that we are all experiencing at the same time through the conscious um, experience, as um, Tom Campbell calls it. So. Um, other housekeeping agendas. I do have some other interviews coming up, so check up on those on the website, and they will be posted. I will be posting the Tom Campbell interview, and also um, this show on Thursday. I haven't figured out a topic yet, so if you guys want to tweet me a topic for Thursday, 90. go right ahead. And I don't know if that comes through the audio or not, if you guys can hear that. So unfortunately, if it does, I'm so sorry. But um, that's all we have for the show tonight, everybody. Once again, if you want to tweet me some topic ideas for Thursday, feel free. Um, like my Facebook page, We Are Not Cattle on Facebook. I only got 140 likes, which is kind of crazy because I see how many people that listen to the show and how many people follow my blog. So it's very interesting. So never promote that. Go to the Facebook page. Go to the Facebook page like that. Follow me on Twitter. Um, subscribe to my blog if you want to. And uh, check out all the new content that I'm going to be releasing here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, look for the next um, From the Pasture, uh, episode number three, coming out this weekend. So once again, a short three-minute video that you can share with friends or family. Like my YouTube channel. Um, share the message of um, self, self-ownership, everybody. And um, individuals working together in order to create a better society through information, knowledge, and once again through truth. Remember, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, everybody. And we'll see you on Thursday night. Good gosh. Take care, everybody.